Coming at you from Stretch and Wolf Studios, it's that time again to rage across the internet. It's your very favorite Werewolf the Apocalypse podcast. As always, I'm your host, Porter. To my left, we got the man himself, producer Danny Tyson. Hey, everybody. And in the third chair, no one. Empty again. Again. I don't know what happened to this guy. Uh, did he die? He might have. Got lost. But whatever happened to him. It's fine. So- we have a replacement. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Temporary. That's 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 cold, brother. <laughs> we, we we do, however, have uh, coming remote. You can hear him already. <laughs> it's uh, our friend, a uh, recent addition to our mod staff, uh, patron and storyteller, Lyric. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm, I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Well, we are thrilled to have you. Yes, Lyric. Thank you so much for being here. It's uh, awesome to have you on the show. Yeah, we were just running through our running through our mods, giving everyone a little little time to shine. <laughs> See <laughs> how it goes. Yeah, that's still uh, it's still surprising to me being a moderator. Actually, that's that's the first time I've ever really done that. Hey, we were doing great so far. So yeah, I mean, there's just not a whole lot to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like those couple hours here and there that either you or myself or Tom can't be there. I, I think that I think that's the hardest part of the job. Am I wrong? No, but I happen to. Just I don't know. I'm just always near my phone, so it's easy to just check and see how people are doing and pop in, say hello. Right? Like, yeah, there's there's not a whole lot of rule enforcement that has to get done. <laughs> no, no, no. Everybody there is fantastic. Yeah, see, look at you heard it here first, right? Right, right from someone of our own community. Uh, so someone who's not us saying stuff, saying nice shit about us for a change. <laughs> <laughs> for a change. <laughs> so you know, what? We'll, we'll do that right away then, because you know what. You like what you're hearing? You want to be part of this too? Get on on that Discord. Yeah, you know you can you can go talk. To, well, you can talk to us also, but <laughs> you can you can tell Lyric what you think of how he's going to do on this episode. <laughs> yeah, by all means, we got a pool on this side of things, but we didn't. We weren't going to tell him about that. Um, <laughs> wow! But you can join our Discord <laughs> and uh, you can get there from our website. That's right, which is in the forums. It's www.ragecrossthenternet.com. Dot com. <laughs> Were you waiting for me to do it just so you could do the echo? No, it was a coincidence. Oh, okay. That was pretty quick. Come on, man. <laughs> Is this your first day? <laughs> Touche. While you're on the site, you can also check out our store. Um, we're actually about to drop a couple new products. We've got a, uh, a tank top. <laughs> <laughs> that was That was requested specifically. It was. Yes, it was. So that's happening, and we have uh, we got a jacket coming out. Yes, I'm excited for that one. And I this morning I saw that we are now able to. They're not up yet. It will be soon. Um, phone cases. Oh, badass! Yeah, it's like a whole list, like iPhone, Samsung, Galaxy. It's like a whole bunch of different phones. Oh, sweet! So if you want to rage across the internet, phone case. Yes, I do. That can see that can happen. I'm, it's going to happen. <laughs> You can also join our Patreon while you're there, and um, there's some pretty, I think I think some pretty worthwhile Patreon rewards. I'm actually about to change the five dollar tier pretty soon. Okay, and it's it's an we're adding to it. Is this an off the air conversation, or are we doing it right now? We're doing it right now. Okay, is I am gonna add. Um, you know, I've wanted to put together an RAI like gaming team. Yeah, like video games. Sure. So that's going to be part of that, is you'll have uh, access like to my Steam. Nice. Yep. Some couple games that 
you and I, or sometimes just you, others like to play, and hey, you're uh, part of that low tier. You can, we all be part of the same team and play together. Yeah, it'll be it'll be with my PS4 also, I think. Okay. So that, I'm going to add that to the $5 tier. Nice. nice. Rage across the internet, uh, Mech Warrior Lance. Uh, maybe. Knockout City team. I'm not going to shut up about it. <laughs> I wasn't going to give the name out loud, but since you already did it. No, it's see, Knockout City. See, that's the thing with Knockout City is that's um, not sponsored. It, <laughs> Damn it. It's cross-platform and it's free-to-play up until, like, level 20. So you don't have to spend money to come hang out and play with us. Mm-hmm. I mean, Whoa. you're going to run out of the trial and make it have to make a decision. But <laughs> you get a night or two for free, depends on how long we play. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like one. I'm, I'm not super keen on having people... Like, hey, now you have the opportunity to spend more money to do a thing. Like, I don't like that. I get you. Well, I get you. But then, even better, the second tier rewards our postmortem series. Yes. Or currently is our postmortem series. Uh, Lyric, you're part of that, right? I am. How are those? Are those uh, those worth a damn? Yeah, I love them. It's, uh, I hate to copy Charybdis here, but it's a great source of inspiration for stories. The things, things you do in those games, some of them are like, they're so simple, but they're brilliant at the same time. Like I was telling Danny, uh, situation with that mage girl. Are you you didn't go out and like buy a mage book for it because the only information she was going to have was the information you had, but it's not stuff the players necessarily have access to. And that's such a time saver compared to me racking my brain over how I'm going to fill out an NPC that at the end of the day my players just kill anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean... like little stuff like that. I I, I I listen to this and I'm like, Jesus, that's brilliant. Oh, thank you yes. for starters. <laughs> I didn't expect to have that, that kind of feed. That's that's awesome. Yeah, well, now that we know, we yeah. don't get the whole, we don't get the postmortem feedback that often. So no. it's nice to hear. Yeah, it is. It really is. But again, hey, what a great opportunity to have someone who isn't us. Yeah, you know, talk the about love. the stuff. Yeah, and then our, our final tier is the uh, the NPC of the month club. Yep, the best handwritten version. Or typed version. Oh yeah, of my personal NPCs from my Bible. That's that's Garu. That's Kinfolk. That's everything in between. Uh, I don't know what's in between Garu and Kinfolk. Touche. Not much. This may be like a condom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you're right. <laughs> you, you are correct on that so, answer. A little callback to our. Uh, <laughs> To our, to our litany discussion the other week. Yeah, the Phil and Ike's episode. <laughs> yeah. The debate team. Wow. <laughs> Which I'm not sure why we didn't call that law school, but that's not the point. Oh, damn it. Missed opportunity. Right. We're going to have to do part two anyway. I don't know that we do, but we probably will. <laughs> Alright, enough fucking around? Yeah, so there's our Patreon awards. There's our website. There's the forums. Some cool shit there, too. Yep. Oh, right. Duh. If, um, obviously, we just mentioned a whole bunch of things that cost money. And if that's not something you can or want to do... We completely understand. Right. But there are still ways you can help. And that's, you know, rating us, telling your friends, liking our posts to the various places, mm-hmm. the yeah, word of mouth. Yeah, word of mouth's a big one. It's like the best form of ad- advertising. really is. I mean, aside from wearing our merch in public. Yeah, that too. Lyric does that. <laughs> yep. I do rep, that. Rep the cool. shirt at the gym. Excellent. <laughs> hey, we like shirts, man. They're cool. All right. So, okay, now, yeah, now let's get to it. So, yep, there I we just go. wanted to make sure that we weren't alienating people who don't want to. 
it's the point cool. is that there is stuff you can help support if you don't want to throw the money at it. Right. We need your help. Help. Yes. Please. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Good night. That's the show. Take it easy. Okay. <laughs> how, how much of that am I going to take out? That's the question. Oh, I don't know if you want to take out any. I hope not. Okay, we'll leave it. <laughs> so we're here for another Storyteller episode. We are here for, yeah, we're going to talk some Storyteller, talk some shop. You know, even since we started doing this podcast, it's probably my favorite ones we do. Well, I like them because I don't have to research anything. <laughs> well, I think, I think these episodes are probably the best for uh, for listeners. It's, it's like the one... There's so many other podcasts out there that just review books and discuss what the books have. And this is the one place where you can really discuss uh, how to handle players, how to get storylines going. It's it's a great resource for people who maybe they're wondering how they're going to be able to handle something. Well, you know, and thank you for saying. I mean, that was a big, was a, a big motivating factor. Absolutely, it was probably the number one factor <laughs> for us starting this. Yeah, because I mean, I know I've said it, but we probably said it 60 episodes ago mm-hmm. that you know when when we started up. Tom and Danny and Jessica mm-hmm. at the time, they had never played anything. Yeah, there was nothing for us to go look for. We, yeah, we can get the books, but how much time can you really take to do that? Right. And, you know, what was out there was either reviews or back-of-the-box type descriptions. Mm-hmm. You know, here here's the little two-sentence summary that's on page 83 of the core book over here. And it yeah. didn't didn't give the stuff that I thought they needed. So yeah. there we are. Well, like, your, your Auspice episodes actually are... I, I think they're more helpful than most people realize. I know I've fired off a couple of them to different people. It's really changed their perspectives on how to look at the Auspices. Like, it's easy to get stuck into the idea that the Ragabash is just a silly guy and completely forget what the role actually does. Yeah, oh, for sure. I think that's, that's a great example, too, because, yep. yeah, you get you get jokey Smurf a lot. Yep, and luckily that's that's be coming up soon, and we're going to get back into that with the uh, playing hooky. Yes, playing hooky. <laughs> Soon. I like how we've already got those named. Yes, absolutely. But no, I mean, you know, thank you for saying it. It's, um, yeah, there's a lot of different aspects. Yeah, because it's going to help not only the storyteller listeners, but your player listeners, too. Gives them insight. So how many, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but like how many people, you know, they, we're all busy, we all have jobs, lives, families, and we're we're usually stuck, unable to play. And so the one instance you get to play, having something that'll, you know, give you ideas in your head to to really make that an A-plus experience, instead of just, uh, you know, playing it by ear and kind of fumbling through it, because all you've read is a storyteller guide in the back of the core book, it's going to change everybody's perspective going into it. You end up with more werewolf players, longer-term werewolf players, too. Well, that's for sure the hope, too. There's just so much to this game and so much to love about the game. And, you know, you can play any way you want to, but, you know, like we say around here, ring the bell. Is that good enough isn't good enough? You know, this is this is the type of thing that the more you put into it, the more you get out. And as a storyteller, the more you put into it, the more everyone gets out of it. Yeah. You're you know, I don't care how, how dedicated of a player you are if your storyteller is phoning it in or deciding that, hey, let's go half, you know, we'll, we'll do half speed and that's going to be fine. Then half's all you're ever going to get. Yeah. I am so proud of the fact that I have on more than one occasion had a group of grown-ass adults cry because I wrote a story. <laughs> yeah, generating emotions is... It's, yeah. so it's, it's like bittersweet on one hand because you don't want to upset people, but at the same time, if you did, you know that like, what you did had a, a gravitas to it. 
And that's kind of the point. I mean, that's how I felt, too. Like, is it kind of embarrassing that I've probably, you know, made a little couple tears? Sure. But, like, that means that story absolutely fucking meant something. Exactly. You know, when uh, in the Virginia games, when I had killed the Wranglers, there wasn't a dry eye in that house. I don't doubt it. Because fictional characters that I make funny voices for died in a story one day. And, yeah. and why? Because they weren't they, they weren't just funny voices. I made them real people, and they had real you know relationships with those characters. And I mean, that's the kind of stuff. If you can get there, that that's that's the gold. That's yeah. That's what uh, you need to I, I, more. I I didn't bring on like any any tears from that regard. Mine was more just horrific uh, memory inducing stuff because <laughs> I went kind of Silent Hill with it. I. I uh, the one time I killed an NPC off that I thought they'd care about, they aggressively did not because I'd made the guy such a prick that they were just like, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was a lot of fun to, to do, but like he had just an asshole nickname for every single one of the players and was just a constant douche to him. But that was just his way. And like they caught on with it. Some of them had fun with it. Some of them didn't. But when he was um, ultimately taken out by the big bad of the, the Chronicle, they were just like, oh, shit, he's dead. I guess we should do something. <laughs> <laughs> I had a story. Um, I don't think I've told this one. Oh, it was I was taking a break. Like I was, I was, I had burnout because we were playing every other week. Yeah, I was gonna say you were playing back in your old games. You yeah, in Virginia, a lot. you had to write every single week. Oh, at the time I was putting together like eighteen-page scripts. Fuck. Every two weeks, and this was over two years. So I was about burnt the fuck out. So what I did is I sat out, and one of my players decided he wanted to tell. Like like a six or seven parter. Sure. Give me a little time off to recharge my batteries. Perfect. Now I still had to help him because he'd never done it before. But that's okay. Sure. I'm not writing the script. I'm just giving advice. And kind um, of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, how he wanted to end it is he wanted to destroy the sept of the sweet summer rain. And I told him absolutely fucking not. No, you just spent how long building that up? Well, not only that, but that's going to be his last story. <laughs> so I'm going to break your sandcastle. And then give it back to you? Yep. I don't know how you give someone a sandcastle. No, but this is not a perfect metaphor. <laughs> we know what you meant. Yeah. So was he going for like apocalyptic storyline? Or was he just like, you know, I really appreciate what you've done here and how great would it be if everything imploded? He wanted a big season finale, so to speak. Uh, you know, I kind of get that. But um, if it's not your baby, maybe don't, uh, don't thrash it. Exactly. Well, we compromised and said an attack. Okay. Not the destruction of, but an attack. Which, there's implications here because now, mm-hmm. but it was okay, because I found a way to tie it back to a mistake they made a chronicle and a half earlier. <laughs> so you made it his fault anyway. Well, yeah, like they had, you know, they were still green, mm-hmm. you know, and they were coming home, walking through the bond from a different way than normal, and they came across some hunters in the state forest. Why are there hunters in the state forest? Right. And the hunters are like, why are there children in this state forest in the middle of the night? <laughs> and everyone just looked at each other and kind of agreed to ignore what they saw and move on their way. What the? <laughs> and nobody used sense worm. Uh-oh. So I made sure that those hunters were famor. Oh. So it was their fault. <laughs> but- so, so here's a question then, kind of in that same vein. How do you deal with players using sense worm on absolutely everything? So you can have, like, sneaky Fimori sneaking and doing things, but if your players are constantly going up and just literally sniffing the side of the guy's head, and they're just like, you know what, this one smells bad, uh, how do you wind up dealing with that? Well, that's, um, I don't have that problem. Actually, these guys are, (laughs) these guys have the opposite problem, but I can't answer the question. (laughs) I was going to say, well, now, more recently in the third games, it's, it's getting worse. 
Well, I think it's getting better because it's bitten you guys in the ass enough times. Exactly. And the paranoia is yeah. always there, for at least for my character. But <laughs> It's like just fucking Papa since Worm. You had exposed his plot five episodes early. <laughs> no, that was that was 100% what happened. Because it was my Ancient Britain game. And the the Silver Fang Metis kept using Sense Worm on everything. Like, they didn't use Sense Worm at the camp that they'd left. But they used it, like, immediately after they left it, and then, like, had the thought that maybe they should have used it in the camp. Which I was glad they didn't, but, you know, they used it anyway and found that the captain of the Roman army was, uh, Formor. Yeah, yeah, Formor. And, uh, killed him, quickly, as Garou do. And then Sense Worm became the staple of every new person they came across. And I wound up having to invent a Bane. Now, I made this thing huge. I wanted it to be, like, boss-level bigly, so I gave it, like, uh, 30 or 40 HP and made it huge. And just kind of fudged the numbers a little bit while they were playing. Like, while they were fighting it, just to make sure it was just a, a little bit more epic than them just killing it. But it had the ability to just swallow worm taint and mask an area. And that was how I had to deal with that. That's cool. Well, I mean, there is, um, in more modern times, and I mean, you, there's no reason it couldn't be in previous eras also, a, a type of Bane tattoo that was established in canon that will hide worm taint. Oh, no shit. Yeah, I think it came from the um, insert in the Storyteller's screen for 2nd Edition. I definitely That's don't have that. Oddly specific. I have mem- if memory <laughs> serves. It was, well, you know, it's the idea, and it's, it's been used other, it's been, I think it was mentioned in um, Worm 20. Okay. There is, Danny, don't listen. Forget this later. Okay. Take my headset off. <laughs> there is a Child of Gaia. Listed in Worm 20, who is actually a spiral masquerading as a child of Gaia. Yes! Yeah. So oh, the, I, there, I love her concept. Yeah, so there are methods of which to hide the, the worm taint. But also, and I think this is the worthier part, and this, this will probably help with, with the larger issue, is that sense worm is not literal. It, it's not, I use sense worm and sniff this guy, and he smells like diapers a dog ripped up. Um <laughs> <laughs> What an oddly specific <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> Go on. Wherever would you get that idea from? <laughs> it, it, it's it's not like that. It, it's like a like a feeling, like a sixth sense sort of thing. And it's not mm. just people. Worm tainted areas will trigger. You know, if you've been in the shit recently, you'll trigger. Packmate will trigger. There's levels of worm taint. It, it's like radiation, right? Like the sun is radioactive. The whole planet is radioactive. It's a matter of levels. Yeah. So the situation here was that it was ancient Britain and not modern like Oakland. So rather than having like the city corruption, you know, it's 170 AD. Around the time that the Howlers fell was, was the point of it. That's before so the fall of the Howlers. It's, I, I've been angled it so that like the storyline kind of worked around that way. But, oh, you know. Well, no, that's fine. I'm just, hey, neat. You could use Howlers if you wanted and it would be fair. Yeah, I gave them the option and they didn't take it. Actually, that's amazing. That's kind of surprising because <laughs> everyone wants to play Howler. I roll twice. <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, the Silver Fang, a Fenrir. We had a Fiata, a Shadow Lord, and I believe a Children of Gaia. I mean, and no one played a Howler. And you gave them the proper time period to do so, and they still didn't do it. Yeah, that's, I did. That's crazy. <laughs> that's, yeah, like I kind of don't believe you. <laughs> I mean, I believe you, but I. You know, but just the no, same. I'm just surprised. But just the same. There's a great example. Is you know, that doesn't mean there weren't tunnels. I mean, let's remember how the howlers fell. The worm had already corrupted, had already tainted. There was already problem in the lands. It's not like they dug tunnels. 
that eventually led to the Temple of Obscura. They discovered those tunnels. Well, that was such a big element of the game. Was uh, they, they kept coming across tainted um, Howler kinfolk villages because their kinfolk were the pigs. Yes. And so they would be traveling and they'd come across these villages that, uh, you know, they can't find anybody. Where, where is everybody? And they came across this goat. And uh, the goat itself, like, one of them had bee speech and was really excited to talk to it. The goat starts speaking these random tongues that he doesn't understand. So he decides to pick it up because I don't know why he's a new player. And the goat's mouth splits open down the neck and tentacles come out and starts trying to eat them. And it's, you know, a Bane-possessed goat. Awesome. And they come to find out that all the village people are worshipping this, like, worm fire in the middle of town. And see, there you go. You know, just just because you, oh, you're... Oh, sorry. Yeah. That was an absolute epic description, by the way. No, I love that. It was fantastic. <laughs> I was so surprised he didn't pick it up, because they're just like, don't don't go near it. There's obviously something wrong with it. He's like, no, it's a goat. I just don't understand it. I'm like, you have B-speech, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you don't understand this thing, it had a stroke. Don't... <laughs> All right, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. Yeah, so even even back then, there's plenty of precedent for the worm tainting the land or corrupting, say, a village like like you mentioned. So you know, using sense worm, there is going to be residual. The, the, you are going to maybe get false positives. Like I said, you if you've been fighting some particular nasty creatures, your buddy, you know, goat picker, you know, <laughs> yeah, you goat goat a, picker, you'd have a little bit of worm taint. Yeah, he might. You know, depending on how those successes go, he might ping on sense worm. So you really? know, don't be yeah, don't be afraid. And it's not lying to your players. But even then, don't be afraid of stuff like false positives or it being oversensitive. You know, I think this this one of those gifts that, to me, too many successes isn't necessarily a great thing. Okay. Because so then, I, I then you pick up the taint in, like, the O'Toole's burger, and it's pinging off you like it's four more. Right. You're, you're picking, you're, because it's not an exact science. It's not a sense of smell. It's not an aura you can see. It's it's this nebulous other thing. It's like a spidey sense, if you will. So you got a bunch mm. of successes. So yeah, if like you're, if you're rolling all wow, tens, it's going crazy right now. Maybe you got a nosebleed <laughs> because of how hot everything is. I'm gonna say, but you didn't know that the Otali Burger was like three blocks away from you, right? You know, or the one you had yesterday is registering, or <laughs> it's like, uh, what is it? It's, uh, I believe, don't quote me, okay. that if you use Senseworm and Malpheus, you just go insane. I wouldn't be I'd surprised. Buy that. <laughs> so, don't be afraid to play with that a little bit. I mean, don't make your players go nuts because they use Senseworm too much. But maybe play up some paranoia, or make them get to a point where they go, no, that's a false positive, everything's fine. Well, I think I made them a little more confused with the Bane monster. Uh, which, after they took it out, the entire town that they were staying in immediately pinged Worm. Okay. Yeah. That's a good idea. No, it's, it's a good, but it's not a workaround you can always do. No, this looks like a one-time thing. Yeah. You know, that's it's a good it's a good workaround. That's just, that's not sustainable all the time, because then that gets boring. <laughs> I'm going to go back to that Dan Cairn story at one point during the show. Oh, I'm sure you but, will. But, uh, again, during those those that same group, I, I didn't attack Atali's. But I created a new subsidiary. It was the Golden Way Meatpacking Plant. <laughs> nice. So, so, like, you know, you go to the store and you get those boxes of burgers. Uh-huh. Hmm. Yeah, those guys. But those guys also supply, like, Applebee's and TGI Fridays and oh, shit like that. okay. Because like, you don't like using Otali's because everyone knows it's Otali's. No well, one's no, going to use it. Well, you, it's, a real, it's a real fast food place. Right. I'm just not telling you guys which one. Yeah, I, I figured. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's Burger King, although it's not Burger King right. in our games. It's either... It's one of something. the ones we've probably eaten at. Exactly. 
But no, my point is, so so what they were doing is they were chasing, you know, they were going after this this meat packing plant and going after the different, you know, location packing centers across the country. But the thing about those locations is they, they tend to design them identically. On purpose? Sure. Well, the same way you, you know, they try to make McDonald's, there's like three different types of McDonald's, right? So the idea is, place, you know... One with a really long drive-through, like maybe even a double drive-through. Yeah, but... You know, they tend to make the inside look the same. There's three or four different layouts, but the idea is you feel at home no matter where you go, right? Sure. I mean, that's the intent. Yeah. And so, you know, when they design a place like this, like a like a distribution center, generally speaking, they design one, and they recreate that blueprint in various locations. When you're talking about a redi- uh, distribution center, yes. Yeah, that's well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, but they so they were hitting these distribution centers, and it's the same layout. Okay. How many stories? Of them going after one of these places, can you do before it gets painted by numbers? Oh, okay. I see you're going with it then. The first time you're scouting the area, right? You're mm-hmm. making your plan, and they don't know you're coming. So it's a really fun and interesting experience. And then you get there, and you go into the umber, and you see the machine in the bainsaw, and you go, holy shit, how are we going to do this? Uh-huh. And then the second time, you're like, okay, we have a plan, but there's more guards, you know, because they know they've been attacked. <laughs> so it's a little tougher, but you've got the layout. By the third time... Yeah, what are you supposed to do now? Like, you already know the layout. You can you just do this way. blindfolded. <laughs> well, the you third time, it's got to be a trap. I, I was That was what I was going to say. What if the third time is they're waiting yeah, and because they know you're coming? And that's what it's... But then I didn't do a fourth. Smart. Because bored. Right. It's the same, the same location. It's the same map every week. Bored. <laughs> you know, they handed it Isn't off... Isn't there one of those... Um, one of those places, like I can't remember if it's uh, twenty or not, but they're connected somehow to like an umbral tunnel network or something. Like the way the buildings are set up is set up in such a way that they can like teleport each other, and every employee has pretty much the same. Like the employees just end up being the same everywhere they go, and is connected to a, a super network. That's not something you'll notice if you attack just one, but if you attack five, then you're like, oh shit, this is uh, this is Thompson. This is, this is the same Thompson that was in Nevada that's now here in Maryland. See, I don't remember that, uh, but I love that concept. And to me, they just reeks of drone. And drone is not something I get to play with enough. So Now, drones drones are one of the things that... Oh, sorry. You go ahead, Danny. I've been, no, no, I was I've been just, in too much. No, no, please do. Because at this point, I think it's just an idea for Porter to use for later. Basically. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Lyric. No, it's like I've... I've got this weird fever dream about a drone case, and I've mentioned this before in the Discord, but, um, you know, it's going off the idea that the medicines are always abused, and I was reading Book of the Weaver, and it talks about how when you drone a medicine, they'll cure them. It's like a medicine with horns, or a medicine that's got, like, it's, you know, it's missing a leg or something. The, if the weaver makes it a drone, they'll fix it. Now, it'll lock him into one of the five forms, so if he needs, like, uh, I don't know, IT support, they're locked in Hamid, or if they need a warrior, they'll lock him in uh, Krynos, but they're fine. And so I wanted to do this game set in, I don't know, backwards Alaska, but there's like a glass walker sept up there. And the players are dealing with the sept and doing their business, but there's this little medis kid that's always getting bullied. You know, he's like 15 or whatever. Like, he just had his first change, but nobody cares about him. But he finds out because it's glass walkers that the weaver could maybe fix him. Like maybe he's talking to weaver spirits one day and they suggest it. And, uh, you know, the players keep coming and going and notice him constantly talking to these Weaver spirits and make it kind of a pervasive situation where if they don't step in, then he goes that extra distance and one day they come back to the cairn and, hey, his horns are gone. And his fur is maybe a little too sparkly and he kind of talks like he's part of a collective. 
So just but the, the key to make suspicions? that work is to make the character someone that they'll care about. It's like you, you really ham up the, the poor life of this little Metis kid, and he's like super friendly, and he wants to work with the players and get something done, but the elders won't let him do it, because, you know, he's not ready, or he's a Metis, you know, any number of reasons. And the becoming a drone is his avenue to get fixed and be a proper guru, quote-unquote. There's, there's a lot of moving parts to that. <laughs> um, first off, a Metis changing, 15's way late. Right, nine years old, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, you make him like eight, nine, ten, which will help, ideally, with getting your players... To not want him there? No, no, to, to endear him to your players. Oh, okay. Because people who aren't sociopaths, Danny, oh. <laughs> are generally nice to children. They view children as innocent. What are you trying to say? I'm just sitting here. Oh, yeah. I yeah, yeah. That's... <laughs> he punched a kid earlier, is what no, happened. shut up! Shut <laughs> <laughs> nice. This kid, this kid came up and he knocked on my door, the little sliding door oh, no, thing. No. He says, "You want to play ball with me, Daddy?" He just cold cocked him. No. He bled and screamed. There's teeth on my back, You're, my back stoop. Man, it's a good thing Damn. you really don't know my address and you haven't said it on air because police at my door. Eight eight three two five Johnson Avenue. It's not even close. Um, I'll get it someday. No, I doubt it. <laughs> Right, <laughs> um, like I'm, I'm never, never gonna get it. no. So, so there's that. Though, honestly, there's that though. Is that you know the kid making him younger will help. First of all, accuracy, but it will help endear to the players. Yeah, it's like a reverence for that kid to the pack. Yeah, you know, people again, generally, so look up to. You know, it's like oh, he's innocent. It's uh, I'm gonna feel worse for him. The little kid getting picked on. You're gonna naturally want to stand up for the kid. Being younger, yeah. Yeah. The The other issue is I don't think, and, and, and I want to go back and reread to make sure, mm-hmm. but I don't think that works once he's droned up. As far as? Well, I think once he's droned up, he is a slave to the weaver, the end. Yeah. And yeah, 100%. He's, he's like, how is he allowed in that cairn at that point? Why is he in that cairn at that point? Mm-hmm. And the weaver got mm-hmm. shit for him to do? So wouldn't wouldn't and I'm and I'm offering this wouldn't the better avenue be he goes missing and no one knows why, no one cares either but your players care they track him and down it, they see he has no horns and he's weird they go to inquire further find out he's been droned probably when he turns on them. That's rough. <laughs> I was going to suggest uh, maybe you wait a couple sessions like they go out looking for him they don't find him. And so a couple sessions go by, so they, you know, maybe the players kind of forget about it. Not that they forget, but it's, like, not fresh in their mind. And if they're on a mission attacking, and say, a Weaver installation, then they find him in their on guard duty. That'll, maybe he's locked in Hispo. That'll work, too. I'm, just, you know, just offering the alternate uh, alternate avenues there. That, that no, I, I love it. Too. That would, that could possibly break some hearts. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's, it's funny, too, when you brought it up, it made me think of something similar... I wanted to do, but ultimately never did in a, in a previous, I guess, in the Virginia games, is I wanted to import a, a child to the Sept, like a six-year-old. Okay. I was going to name him Eric, which is kind of an inside joke. Oh, no, it was in this game is when I wanted to do it. I was going to say. Because Eric. It's an Eric name that's yeah, in this Yeah, game. it's kind of an inside joke. <laughs> but, um, you know, this little toe-headed kid who was the son of someone important, some important get Okay. So he's sent to Zylo. And, and you know, and the kid's allowed to run around in the bond because they know he's gonna change. They know he's gonna change. 
Okay, so if that's the case... He's not a menace, but they know he. They know it. How do they know it, then, if he's not a menace? Prophecy. Um, mystical, whatever. Okay, you know? fine. But <laughs> he is going to change, and so he's allowed to live in the Sept, and, and slowly, I was going to unveil that the kid's a psychopath. You son of a bitch. Yeah. Oh. You know, like, he's going to be like a little holy terror. He's a little fucking six-year-old. He's probably going to be annoying. Uh-huh. And then, like, the day shows up that, like... You find a bunch of dead birds in a pile in the barn or something. Oh. And then, do it better and make them in the form of like a spiral? Maybe. But like, I wasn't even going to have him be worm tainted, just a sick fucker. And it was going to come to a head with he dissected a one of the wolf kinfolk in the barn. Oh, no. So and here's then, a question for that. Is he actually, is he actually Guru or is he just someone that they have high hopes for because of prophecy? Um. Yes. I was gonna, yeah, yes is the answer. <laughs> the answer is yes. Well, the idea is ultimately it's not going to matter. They believe mm. he's going to be Garu, and that's why he's allowed there. Uh-huh. They believe this prophecy or the what this Thur saw or whatever, but he's not going to live that long, so ultimately it's irrelevant. Because mm. what do you do? Right. right. Whether you guys pull the trigger or not, uh-huh. someone's going to. You're killing wolf kinfolk? No. Nah. <laughs> Sorry, six-year-old. This is going to be a really unfortunate day for everyone. It's going to be a bummer of a day here, but you got to die. Yeah, and then you have the uh, the debate, I guess, between the ones who, like, well, the, the prophecy, we need to protect because of the prophecy, and then the other one's like, well, no, he absolutely killed Wolfkin. We ain't got enough of those. Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of toe-headed kids. <laughs> well, and more to the point, it, it's not even like he's prophesied to be some great Garu hero. He's just the son of a sept leader or something. So it's not even like he's going to win the apocalypse, let him kill some wolf kinfolk. No, he's going to be just a dude. <laughs> the The only argument here is that he's six. So then is the uh, SEP leader going to retaliate once his kid is dead? Well, I never got to run it, but probably. Because then you can get into um, surreal guru politics, which I don't think it's touched on often enough. Probably not, and I think when it is, it's too simple. You know, like but people get the idea that the Guru are not uh, they're, they're not ultra complex or anything. Like their culture is just, oh, I want to hit things, or ooh, I want to be a hippie, child of Gaia. But um, we didn't say that. extra depth to it that like you you could do a, an entire political backstabby game, you know, involving like Shadow Lords and Silver Fangs, maybe giving each other the, the eye and then moving pawns behind the scenes. I got you. I, I got you. Maybe one better. Hmm. And this was something that I was going to do. Might still do. We're, we don't know. I can guess by the, we're, the we're, look in your eye. We're in a weird spot with our game. You're planning on it. Yeah, but it was you know the opener. We just brought this up, I believe. Yes. The opener of our, our latest chronicle was another get of Fenris sept uh, or attacked, a local yeah had yeah, attacked attacked or cairn. Like you know their sept is not a summerin is not a get sept, but it's. It's A-sept, led by a Getafenris and an influential one. Mm-hmm. So it was attacked by a local Getafenris sept. They were trying to take it over. And the idea there, and, and I've kind of mentioned, I believe I have mentioned this, dropped little notes here and there about the sept of the Sentinel mm-hmm. and, and Sven Skullsplitter over there, who is kind of like their version of Whiplash and how no one at the Summerine respects this guy. Right, but... At the same time, that sept respects the hell out of them because they make the hell of shock troops. Well, that, well that's the thing. Yeah, that, that was the idea, is that you have this this get offenders from this rival sept, or not rival sept, but neighboring nearby sept, who 
is doing things to get way. He's creating great shock troops, amazing soldiers, but they can't think for, you know, to save their lives. Just do what they're told. Yeah, they are just blunt instruments. Where part of the mantra of the Septus Sweet Summerine is use your fucking head. And it's even that, that argument in philosophy. It's a more personal thing than just my tribe doesn't like your tribe. Yeah, because at that point you're not using tribal politics. You're still using Garu politics, but sure. not tribal politics. Right. You know, it's it's a, a sept led by a get versus an entire get sept. So it's not like it's one versus the other here. And, right. And then and so that becomes personal. And, I, and I'm not giving answers here. I know. But maybe <laughs> the reason behind this attack is because Sven Skullsplitter is tired of being disrespected, you know, That's by the summer insect yeah. whose name rings out in that fucking region. So if someone's talking about him. And he just gets irritated. It's getting back and he's had a fuck enough of it. It can be that simple. That's still a politics game. But it's not so broad as, you know, your tribe says my tribe is dicks, and my tribe says your tribe is snobs. Yep. <laughs> well, plenty of dick measuring to go around. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's yeah, I, I, I get that, though. I get that. I you know I, I agree with you the lyric that the um, politics is not played on enough. It makes for serious game. It, I think, um, and you see this a lot with some of the other discords out there that people they they focus on the negative aspects of a tribe, like their negative camps, uh, not naming any particular tribes. Intent, you know, they'll they'll take that one horrible aspect of that tribe and determine that that needs to be changed or something, or we should fix that moving forward. And I think it's actually it's a great way to introduce the. Uh, Intertribal dynamics. No, like, the stereotypes of the tribes exist for a reason, and it's something that you can definitely play with. And it's like, well, I think this tribe is awful. It's like, well, yeah, sure, you can go that route, and you can make them two-dimensional. Or you run into maybe that one asshole that nobody likes, like, uh, God, I don't know, what is it? The, the Predator Kings of the Red Talons, right? You find a Red Talon, he's eating people, and of course he is. But maybe the rest of his sept doesn't agree with him, and he's doing it in hiding. No, I think, I think he, that's a great point. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Fine. <laughs> no, I think that's a great point. I, and I mean, let's, uh, I'll shift it with like the Silent Striders and these Eaters of the Dead uh-huh. to where that's, you know, I mean, it's a forbidden camp, but it's a camp that exists. Yes. You know, since we're purposely dodging the one tribe. Think <laughs> it enough shit. Well, you know, and I think they make, ex- they make excellent antagonists. The Eaters of the Dead. Well, the Eaters of the Dead, the Swords of Hamzal, your Predator Kings. Mm-hmm. You can use those negative camps as antagonists, you know, in of those tribes. And even that can work to improve your standing with said tribe. You know, you find a pack of Eaters of the Dead and you take them out. Well, maybe the local Striders, and what does that mean? But maybe the local Striders are thankful. Okay. And you end up getting a different look at the who the Striders really are Outside of that idiot stereotype you've been chasing. Uh, it's still a politics game. Yeah. Um, oh, just give me an idea. Oh, good. <laughs> I think another great <laughs> example... <laughs> hey, that's what we're here for. Right? Well, I think another great example, too, is the, the Glass Walkers. Something I kind of love about the Glass Walkers is it's the only tribe in the nation... <laughs> that fight each other. <laughs> yes, whose camps are actively battling each other for control of the tribe. <laughs> I love it. So, depending on your point of view... All the other camps are the antagonist. Mm-hmm. 
That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to hear a story like that one. Well, that's where you get characters like Max Romano and Ronaldo Road who are up your guys' ass or will be in the future because yes, well, no, you dumb blowed the guy up. I know. <laughs> Deserved it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> but, you know, you get those situations where, depending on your point of view, all the other camps are antagonists. Yeah. Or you could find yourself caught in a, a local turf war, if you're not Glasswalkers, between two camps. And it's like, now what do you do? <laughs> the corporate wolves and the wise guys are dueling out over downtown Chicago. Make yeah. a choice. And you're stuck in the middle. Yep. Fuck. Yeah, so, so what if you take, say, like, player pack is all Black Furies. I don't know why, they just happen to all be Black Furies, right? All right. Sure. And, and they're being ordered for whatever, like... Uh, uh, goodwill between Seps that they're going to work with this Fenrir Sept, right? They have to go on a mission. <laughs> but instead of making them have to work with the Fenrir and, you know, you have them, like, grumbling about it because, uh, god damn, it's the Fenrir. Look, you know what they do. Oh, yeah. But uh, they, they wind up having to run alongside a pack that's from the camp of uh, the Valkyrie, which is the, the Fenrir's all-female camp. Correct. <laughs> so they just, you know, all of a you sudden, have these Furies yeah. that end up working with these, uh, you know, the, the female power squad of the Fenrir, and it's just going to be a whole different outlook for them. Right. Suddenly it's, oh, uh, maybe we're not all that different. <laughs> you don't see that very often, do you? No, you don't. Though, um, when, when we talk about the Fenrir, we do like to bring up the Fianna a whole lot. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> Had to. Had to, Yes, sorry. you did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Take my cairn. Every time. Every time. <laughs> yep. Hey, he deserves it, too. He is unfair to the get Fenris. <laughs> How dare I you I didn't like listening to the uh, Fiona episode for specifically that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Tom tried to avoid that episode, even though it's, you know, it's his, it's his thing. Like, he avoided it at all costs. It's like, everything I hate about the get Fenris is... Exactly. Applicable to the Fianna. <laughs> the exact same thing my <laughs> tribe does. Hey, you just changed them from being blonde to being redheads, and there you go. Alright. Okay, there you go. <laughs> You're right, though. You look at the uh, the pack of the Black Furies, and they have to work alongside some of the Fenner, and, oh wait, it's not just Fenner, it's, it's the Valkyrie of the Fenner. I guess we can deal with this. Or maybe, to take this in another direction for a second, now, you know... It, it's not uh, a pack of Valkyrie of Freya, but they're hearing they're hearing rumors about this fucking what the the, the monster that leads this pack of Geta Fenris they have to go work with. I just saw that gleam in your eye. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. the fucking you know this this Garu you know uh, Maro Drinker or Spinebreaker or whatever mm-hmm. you know oh they're the worst the worst example of a Geta Fenris they're the misogynistic and the evil and the the Heil and the all the evil bad things that ever were and they show up and it's a woman. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. There's a. I was reading, um, I think it's it's not the Viking way, I think it was, um, uh, I think the book is actually called Valkyries, and it's about women in the Viking Age. And it was talking about how, the, the idea of women warriors in the Viking Age, and how when they went to war as men, they took on a male name. And, and some saga relevance to that as well. I, I can't remember the saga offhand right now, but the main character, when she was going a Viking and having the sword and the helmet, she had a male name. And then when she retired and decided to become a wife and do the weaving, she went back to her female name. So you, you could totally do that. That's I like that. That's yes. going to my Viking game. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 
You're going to just tell some of your players to not listen to this episode just yet. I was going to start going into my session zero and what I want to do with that, but I was like, uh, I, I can get that done before this airs, I think. <laughs> Good on you. Yeah, it's just done on me, you know, you have that, that reputation. And then, you know, you, and then once they get to see, and of course the chick's a total badass. Oh, absolutely. Like, it has to be. Yeah. Like, lives up to half of it. And, and then the other half is just bullshit people spread. And then maybe your pack learns to separate stuff from the stuff. Uh, that's deep cut. I like it. Thank you. It just hit me. So I can like, oh. see it in our game. I can see it being a possibility. Just a thought. That's all. Yeah. I'm not saying you should do it. I'm just saying I can no, see it, it happening. Yeah, it could happen. But lots Let of me pull up my Rage Across Notebook and uh, write this down real quick. Nice. Did you Did you have a Rage Across Notebook? I do have a Rage Across the Notebook. And oh, you know what? Awesome. It is the perfect size for travel. Let's see. Look at that. Is, is it the, the logo one or the I Can Soak It? It's the I Can Soak It. Nice. <laughs> hey, Lyric, do me a favor. Mm. What, what's the back say? That's the hardcover. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Ah, damn it. Forget it. <laughs> hardcover has a little something extra on the back cover. <laughs> I forgot it was the certain one. That bombed. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so, you get that hardcover and go see what it says. <laughs> Unintentional shill. I love it. Yep. I might have to do that. Just saying. A little something extra for you. <laughs> You can get the jacket, honestly. Are we going to put it in the jacket, too? Um, no, but... <laughs> I mean, I grabbed the jacket, but it's like 100 degrees every day. Yeah, right. Plus yeah. fire. <laughs> Trip point. point. Yep. You're going to wait a few months for the I'm jacket. I'm just happy with the jacket. I'm pulling the logo off the back of it. Why? So it's just going to be on the front. Oh. Oh, okay. I thought the logo on the back was awesome. I think the logo on the back looks awesome, too, but... Maybe it, too much? Yeah, I think it might be too much. Like, hey, sorry, guys, radio for two. Um... <laughs> No, I just thought about it the other day. You know, it's like if I'm going to wear a Batman shirt, I want just like the bat symbol. Uh-huh. I don't want like a picture of Batman running around throwing a battering or something. Like I don't. That's too much. I don't like that. That's, right? Okay. I want like the. I want yeah. I want the logo of the Fantastic Four, not like them waving on the Fantastic <laughs> Hour or some shit. Right. <laughs> so I thought you know having the logo on the front and on the back seemed a bit too much to me. Well, I just thought maybe just the front would just say R A I and then you get the logo on the back. I'm going to do the REI with the, with the logo on the front. Okay. And blank on the back, I think. I think that's... That's the way to go. That's fine. Yeah, I think it's it's an understated, you know, to where you're not drawing too much attention. Because it dawns on me that there might be some people out there who go, that's a really cool jacket, but I don't want to get stopped every 30 seconds about the fucking wolf on my back. Like, why it's yelling into a microphone. Well, I want them to do that. So they can tell everyone about it. Right, but like if you're the guy who doesn't want people to be stopped, you're not going to buy the jacket. That's fair. So I think the bl- this might all get cut. This is probably yeah. not very interesting, yeah. is it, Lyric? <laughs> yes. I was like, am I supposed to say something right now? Yeah, you can. That's the <laughs> thing. You just chime in, man. <laughs> cut us off at any time. Get back to the story here. <laughs> Sorry, radio for two. We're shilling yeah. for ourselves and merchandise over. It's just disgusting. Well, it's not shilling for yourselves if I bring it up. He's got a point. Yeah, that's a point. The binder, the book, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> I just took it too far with the jacket, but it's been on my mind lately. That's fine. I, I needed to know anyway. Gonna put that up there, so. Yeah. Anyway. Now, I know we wanted to talk about... Yeah, there's something I personally wanted to ask, and it's not just Porter, because obviously I know how your games run. But, like, <laughs> Lyric, so. you run how many different games? So sometimes I bounce around a bit, and you know maybe a player doesn't show up for a game, but we're in the middle of something, and I don't want to exclude them. Like maybe the players 
we're supposed to go and take out this big bad spirit and for whatever reason somebody doesn't show up maybe they had an emergency class they had to attend or something else right and in that instance i'll give the option to the others like okay well do you want to try to do something maybe we'll accomplish some cycles or maybe we'll play another game and i'll you know pull up any repertoire of tabletop rpgs and throw it out there and we'll do a little character building and do a quick little well it usually ends up being a couple hours but a session of something else so i've, I've had a bit of a variety so a lot is the answer there Sure, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I personally, I'm a big fan of the battle scenes. Now, at the same time, you know, how many times, Porter, have you said it, the game's about us, but it doesn't revolve around us? Yeah, but the world doesn't revolve around us. Right. So, that includes battles. Oh, yeah. Because if you're having major battles, you're not the only players in that game. You're not the only players in that battle, or... You know, the characters. Yeah, we, characters. We, we, we were with you. We were with you. Yeah, obviously, depending on what kind of story you're running, but if you're running a major battle like that, how do you layer the different aspects of that entire thing? Lyric, same question. Uh, Lyric, I'll let you uh, go first if you if you want. So I think it depends on what you're you're trying to do. I was listening to uh, Sweden Rolls. But they they play Forbidden Lands, and in their Season 2 finale, they had a massive battle between dwarves and dragons. Like, just for whatever reason, the dragons were there, and they were at war with the dwarves. And what the storyteller had done was he announced, you know, at the end of it, like, okay, so this is how the battle's going to go. So what do your characters do during this battle to contribute? I Actually, I thought that was kind of neat. I don't know if that's something that I would personally do. But, uh, you know, the players then went through and described in great detail, like, what they were doing and like, how they were just wading through fields of dragons and cutting heads off and stuff, which I thought was kind of neat. But that's probably not what you're going to wind up doing with Apocalypse. So the instinct is to try to show them this massive battle. Like, you want that Lord of the Rings, we're on top of the wall and there's just millions of orcs and you're going to have to deal with it. Or, or in the case of Apocalypse, it's going to be for Mori. But that's going to bog your game down. You're going to be there for 10 hours before you even get through something. So it, it might be easier just to focus on, you know, what your players are doing in the individual sections they're having to deal with. Because a, a war is multiple fronts. Absolutely. So, And that's why the so, question... No, go ahead. No, no, that's why this question is here. Because it is multiple fronts. I just... I'm curious on a, you as a storyteller who run multiple games, how do you portray that entire thing? Not just this front here or this front there. How do you do the whole entire thing? So what I've done... Um, with the Britain game, I think is a, one of the more prevalent examples out of this. The legions of the Romans were Fomori tainted, and I used the uh, Fomori template from Rage Across the World from W twenty. The the ones where the they're from the Amazon. I can't remember their name right now, but they've got like armored bodies and poison spitting and bone talons and things. But you can do uniform soldiers with that, right? So all these legionnaires had the same template because uh, it's a uniform army, and they're marching on the sept. And so they knew this big thing was coming. Here's these, these legions of armies they were going to have to deal with. And they had to do like a tactical workaround and try to find a way to uh, you know, figure out enemy intel. Like you assign the players their individual task so that they've got a focus. And while they're doing that, describing to them like what's going on. Like, yeah, you're sneaking outside the walls and you just see rows and rows and rows of these armor-skinned legionnaires and so you know like there's a larger battle going on you can smell the smoke and the the fire and you know hear the destruction and the cries of death but your players are focused on their one thing so that you can actually get through that session without everybody rolling a million dice 
solid. Yeah. Um, I have a decidedly different approach. Mm. <laughs> Please. And it's funny as we go back to that Cairn attack. Yeah, I figured it was a good way to get you to <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, look at that. roll into it. You know, yeah, as I mentioned before, you know, we, we compromised on that Cairn attack. Look at me just pick that story right <laughs> the fuck back up, too. <laughs> it was an uh, awesome story, though. I co-wrote it with him because this was going to be his last story, and I didn't have a character anymore. Like, he died off, or...? Well, no, I was playing Jude. Oh, okay. And that arc was the story in the Amazon. So Jude had stayed behind and, and negotiated an extra tour under Gogol so that the other PCs could leave. I mean, there's some tribal politics for their, for their due, but... <laughs> right, so like I didn't, you know, I no longer had a character, so I could help him write it, and like I would play character X for a couple turns or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's fine. Just so I got something to do. <laughs> but we choreographed this whole thing, for starters. And what I mean by that is obviously you can't account for what the players do. But you've got a whole battleground. And like Lyric said, you know, the, the battle's on different fronts. So, you know, we, we I, you know, I have the the map of the Summerain. We printed off a larger version and cut little tabs of paper. And it's like, here's section one, and this is the rabies in Shane's and. Like, you know, like a, like a war map, you yeah. know? And broke it down. Well, here's in the realm, here's in the Umbra. This is what's going on in the different locations. So on turn six... You can bring up this section of yeah, map. Yeah, the, these, these FOMOR are coming in from the north. Oh, my God. Okay. You know, and, and turn eight, this is when they break the line on the Silver Star. So and it's they, an entire it, choreographed war, yeah, essentially. So, you know, you have little notes there going, okay, this after this turn, this happens. And then on top of that, you know, you look at the player movement. It's, you know, get to the front lines. You know, quit bitching and get to work. Okay, so you know they're moving to the front lines, but the enemy's already there. So they're working through to the front lines. This is going to be a longer answer. I'm already sorry, but, like, I'm not. (laughs) So as they're moving through and fighting, every couple turns, I have these little vignettes planned to describe what's going on around them from the perspective of other NPCs that they know. So when they get close enough to the fire... And this will probably be two turns, so I have a little asterisk plan. Like, around turn three, interject with this. And they see Dead Man Dempsey, who pulls a log out of the fire, takes a, takes a swig full of hooch, and spits it out at the spiral in front of him, lighting the guy up. Nice. <laughs> There's uh, Nate Bangerang <laughs> popping kneecaps out, you know, while Butcher's in the shadows, spits in some guy's eye, and then stabs him in the throat. <laughs> oh, man, I wish I was part of this one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just so, to read some of those vignettes would be oh, fucking awesome. I've got them somewhere, man. Uh, I'm gonna have to look them up. Yeah, I'll pull them up for you. It's so you know, I, I would do that. In the genesis of that vignette thing came from obviously, if a Karen's gonna attack, people are gonna die. Yeah, but you wanna give them a, a farewell glory. Yeah, so I, you know, it started with we're, we're gonna describe the swan song of a particular. You know, you had Jamie Moonsong who frenzied and took out three spirals, but just was slowly getting ripped apart. As it was happening. Right. Or Max Romano, who the battle starts, <laughs> and he runs away. Oh, no, kind of. Kind of. He runs to his office. We still got you here, Larry? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, just making sure we didn't fall asleep. I didn't bore you to death. <laughs> no, no, I was listening to the story. No, right. I'm, I'm thinking as you're selling it, so. All right, all right, all right, cool. I just want to make sure we didn't lose you. 
you know, yeah. in, in you know, Romano runs to his office, which he has on site, his little log cabin office. And five turns later, he comes back out, and you got um, Sinatra's. I did it my way. He's got his fedora on and a pair of Tommy guns. <laughs> <laughs> that one I knew. This was my favorite one. Yeah, in his final words, take that, you cocksucking McGillicuddies. <laughs> And then they find his body when the battle's over. But like 12 spirals surrounding him all Oh, he down. killed plenty of people, yeah. I'm sure, but that was it. That was the end of his vignette. You just knew that you thought he ran away. Mm-hmm. No, he was going to get... He was getting ready. He yeah. wasn't ready. He's ready now. Well, he knew he was going down, so he's taking it again. His blaze of glory, he's taking down as many as he can with him. But the problem with doing that is once you do it once or twice, you know, <laughs> and they die... They know that every time I open my mouth to talk about an NPC, that character is going to die. Yeah. So you have to do it for everybody, so they're left guessing. Yeah, who's dead, who's not. And so that's how that, that was the genesis of that, is, is that's to keep the battle alive. You know, not only do you know how the battle is going to go, largely speaking, mm-hmm. but troop movements and what's going on around them, and I think it helps give life to it. Absolutely, because again, your characters are only fighting one piece of that battle. Right, and then there's the other thing. Uh Uh-oh. How well they're doing? Well, you know, like we brought up, there's a lot of, it seems like there'd be a lot of dice for them. Well, you know, everybody's killing people, everybody's spending rage, shit's going on. Yeah. But it's all asses and elbows, man. Mm-hmm. This isn't this isn't the the Revolutionary War where we're all standing in lines taking turns shooting at each other, right? So See, it's funny you say that because all my games like tend to be historic as so you get uh, yeah, so that battle lines happen. of people with swords and shields <laughs> facing off. Yeah, right. So you, that that shit does happen for you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like you know, but it's all asses and elbows, right? So what do I do? Is I keep. I mean, well, I keep lots of dice because I'm a storyteller and I play a tabletop game. Yep. But I will roll a single die every now and then. And the every now and then, there's not a rhyme or reason to it. But And then I will use the result of that die to determine what random happenstance has gone on. And that can be anything from you catch a stray arrow in the shoulder to the, the friendly guy who next to you accidentally elbows you in the back of the head to, you know, the guy you were fighting got his head blown off by stray gunfire. Because now, shit the question is just here, happening. When they take the stray arrow, do you still do damage to them? Sure. Or is it just cinematic? Oh, it'll, it'll do damage, but I'm not out to kill anybody, so I'm not rolling damage. You, it's You took one extra there. Yeah, exactly. Something yeah, you yeah, know. Like that, you've, yeah. you've, you've seen it. <laughs> You yeah, know, but it's still we're, fantastic. Yeah, right we're not here. rolling damage, but it's like, yeah, take one extra. Or if, you know, Danny happens to be on point with his rules, or his rolls, excuse me, yeah. and his, his fucking his hands are clean six turns in or whatever. You're, you're big as a map. That arrow's silver. Because, <laughs> nah. You're not walking out of this unscathed. I no, don't care I, what your name is. I know. It's, and that's happened. But it's still a clean roll. Right. It's just... Hey, you took a silver arrow to the shoulder real fast. Yeah, <laughs> you're fine. And here's something. Here's something I want to do with these major battles, right? Because my shit's historic. I I want to include the Seps kinfolk in the battles because as Fenrir kinfolk, especially in the Viking Age, they're going to they they want to impress their mates because a, a Fenrir mate in that time period, they're not going to take somebody who's going to stay at home and drink the milk, right? No, or Fenrir. So how want someone as their equal? Yeah. Yeah. So you know you've got. 
like Astrid's out there, right? She's just mowing through for Mori. And maybe here's uh, Olaf, and he's got a great axe, and he's just cleaving through people. How, how, how to word this? How, how involved would you make the kinfolk in those sorts of battles? Because it's obviously a lot more dangerous for the kin than it would be for the werewolves. Well, it, Does the Sept even allow them to fight? Well, it's interesting you brought that up. I think in modern times, they're not. But I think in you know, prehistoric, you know, older games, probably. Maybe even a, at least a few. I'd almost flip that. Really? But, okay. But, again, I'm going back to that story, the attack of the Battle for Summer Rain. Okay. When that happened, Andrew Bookman, one of uh, one of the kinfolk, who actually uh, he's a uh, he's got gnosis, he's a very well respected. He's allowed to guard a whole section of the bond on his own. But it, I think that's because he has well, the gnosis. But yeah, because of his gnosis, because of his dedication, because of his history. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to that. Mm-hmm. But my point here is, he is a very trusted and respected kinfolk to be to be given a section of the bond, and, and to have the elders go, don't go into that area. That's Bookman's. <laughs> That's unheard of, right? <laughs> so, if there's an attack in the cairn, he's probably popping shots off. Well, when the attack of the in the cairn happened, he shot the, the early warning flare. Okay, he was the only, they attacked on three sides. He was the only one to catch it before they were right up your ass. Huh. Vanessa Milano murdered in the ranger station. Oh fuck! Roy was off that day. It was Thanksgiving. Oh, Vanessa no. took his shift, but Bookman saw it and retreated. What did they do? When he got to the bond, they threw him up on uh, Zylo's lodge house, and he sat on that roof with his sniper rifle the entire battle. Hmm. See, I like that little thing you just did there, where you have uh, that that layered extra real-world bit to them, uh, where Roy took the day off because it's Thanksgiving. Like, that right there is a little thing that I I think a lot of people forget to do, but adds so much more character to the world. Well, thank you. I mean, it's it's something again that's massively important to me, and you see that shit in those NPC write-ups. Yes, you well, know, especially Roy. He's a family guy. Yeah, I want to. You want to make these NPCs real people. You want to make your player characters real people because again, the more you put into it, the more you get out. Yeah, Roy Becker. Roy Becker is a guy who married his high school sweetheart, who pulled himself up from the projects while his brother didn't. You know, his his brother got in. You know, got involved in drug dealing, got involved in gangs, and he paid a price for it. And he didn't want to be like his brother. Yeah. So so Roy knew about violence and hated it. He came up to be a legitimately good man, married this woman that he was very much in love with who was not kin. He was kin. <laughs> Did he know? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I nodded. I'm sorry. <laughs> but goes off to have two children, right? But, uh, one of which breeds true. And in his spare time, right, when, when he's not taking care of his family and he's not doing his duties as a kinfolk, as a, as a ranger in the state forest where the cairn is. By the way, this is also the guy who feels bad for these young shifters. So he'll, when they're on bond detail in the morning, he'll sneak them like coffee and donuts or like a happy meal or something every now and then. Right. Because he knows how shitty it is being a Garu, right? That's the kind of guy he is. But when but all that's said and done, he still volunteers at the local YMCA and set up a program to get kids off the streets in his spare fucking time. That's a... That's the, it's the best human being I've ever read. He's <laughs> just the best fucking guy. Roy's awesome. <laughs> Roy's black. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious have... the origin of that one there, because I've heard that before. Oh, and like, I know it was a player that? who wasn't paying attention, because I think episode six is when you covered that. Yeah. Say, it's been a while, but yeah. Yeah. Long um, story short. Roy, Roy I, I envisioned him to look like Louis Gossett Jr. 
Like, he was my, my human inspirato for designing Roy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they dealt with Roy every single game. Every game. Yeah. Not, not, not me and Tom, but right, like this was the Virginia, Virginia group. You know, and this was the group of like four or four people or so. And they dealt with Roy every game. <laughs> you should know what Roy looks like by now. And, and it had been, I think it was like a new chronicle or whatever it was, where I decided I was going to redo... It was gonna give, it was, yeah, I was going to give those appearances again because it had been a while, just as a refresher. I think maybe someone's appearance had changed. Like someone's got like a blue streak of hair now all of a sudden, yeah, something stupid like Dempsey that. Dempsey Guru Tea. Okay, there you go. <laughs> but something like that. Hmm. So I was, and all of a sudden I got this exclamation from this guy, what, Roy's black? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even know. He didn't, it's like, oh my didn't God. pay attention the first time. Thanks for playing the game. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Huh. I mean, what are you doing here? <laughs> well, the podcast was It, it was the there. very first one. It was a preemptive. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've haven't, I haven't encountered anything like that. That's because it sounds like your players actually pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't a great player. I'm not talking shit about the person, but he wasn't a great player. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, sometimes that happens. I just, um, and maybe I don't introduce enough NPCs. That could also be a thing for where people could get confused. I, I should probably step that up. You know, you probably should. Not that I know how much you're you're doing, but more is always better. I was gonna say, and again, it's not the a more, bad idea. Yeah, the more life you can bring to the world. You know, I think. Well, that's one of the things I struggle with is doing voice work. No, I did. Um, I did a throwaway session the other night, and I actually did voices for everything. And I was actually kind of proud of myself for that because it's, you know, you can do voices, but it's it's not something that's intuitive unless you're just instinctively good at it. And I'm most definitely not. But I've listened to some uh, let's plays that people play and say, um, "Werewolf the Forsaken," and the storyteller had just the same tone the entire time. And I've never heard that before. Like I've never actually heard that done. And he kept the same cadence and same voice tone the entire game, no matter what had happened, no matter who was talking. And yeah, that kind of blew me away. See, here's the thing, though. I'm gonna fuck with your head right now. Hmm. You've never heard it, but you're probably doing it and not realizing it. Not, mm. not, not even you personally, just you guys out there who don't do the voices. You are probably doing it and not realizing it. Oh. Because there's a world of difference between get up off your ass before I take you down, said Whiplash. Butchers in the shadows, chuckles in the background. Please stay. Please, please stay on your ass. And get up off your ass. <laughs> no. Please stay. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it was totally that first one the whole way through the entire time. And it was such an absolutely boring thing to listen to. Now, I'm usually really good about, you know, if it's a key NPC that they're going to run into time and time again, I'm usually really good about making sure they sound different. Or they've got, um, at the very least, different mannerisms. Like Megan, the attention-starved ghoul with daddy issues that I tortured my player with, has a very different personality from... Uh, God, like the spirit of the shadow wolf that's stalking them through the Umbra. Like, they're not going to act the same, and they're going to definitely sound different, but random grocery store guy is just random grocery store guy. And so I need to, that, that's where I struggle with, is just popping off random new voices for, like, random grocery store dude. Well, I think those mannerisms will probably help you out with the different voices. I mean, that, that, and that's a oh. long way, you're right. Sorry, Danny. No, no, you're right. <laughs> I was just backing you up. Thank you. Well, <laughs> Um, you know, and the thing about the voice, because I've heard this a lot, 
I'm not good at voices. I don't know how to. My 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 response to that is try. Yeah, you don't know that you're not good at it if you're not trying. Well, no, you definitely have to practice with it. You really do. Yeah, I'm not saying you don't have to practice, but it doesn't mean that you're bad at it because you're not trying. And here's the thing too: is if your your Fianna, your Scottish Fianna sounds Irish, or your Irish Fianna sounds, it doesn't look. It doesn't matter. You're not. Yeah. We're not trying to fool the IRS. <laughs> well, so I got I got two things to say to that. So for the first one, with the voice work, I, I know for some new storytellers or people maybe who've been doing it a while but haven't really thought about it, if you're worried you're going to you know screw it up or like you're embarrassed of the voices you're making, uh, don't be. Yes. And that's that's the thing because a lot of that you're going to stifle yourself because you're so concerned about how you sound or if it's going to sound silly. Like, I, I did this nasally voice for a carriage driver for our vasing game. It's like, oh, hey, guys, what's going on? And the players left the entire time, and they gave this guy shit. They're like, he's a carriage driver. He doesn't know shit. He didn't go to school. It's the 1800s, and he drives a carriage. What does he care? He just cares that his horse's coat is shiny. And so they're giving him, like, this advanced history lesson and, you know, trying to convince him that uh, Julius Caesar's walking around that day. And, of course, he doesn't know any better, but they're making fun of him because of his voice. And, you know, I was nervous to roll that voice out there because I hadn't done it before. But, yeah, they, everybody had a great time. So don't let that stop you. You're and exactly right. Point was. <laughs> no, no, you're exactly right. And, and I'll do you better. Dead Man Dempsey originally sounded like fucking Lucky the Leprechaun. Huh. You know, Lucky Charms. You know, oh, hearts and balloons. Fuck it. You know, <laughs> because you got to start somewhere. I mean, it's true. Mm-hmm. And then what what happened, and this is something I found helped me, is I would find actors in... in Go ooh like that, and so suddenly you're you're not doing Lucky the Leprechaun. Maybe I'm doing my Sean Connery, which isn't very good, but it's not the point. Holy shit! I got this player who uh, I, I've talked about before. He doesn't get to play very often because his work schedule. But when he does, he goes all in. And as far as I know, he's never played a tabletop RPG before. I introduced him to uh, Vampire Fifth Edition, and every time he comes in, he brings a hundred percent. And so, like his last uh, one of the last games he got to play with us, we were playing uh, Tales from the Loop. And he's playing this 15-year-old farm hick, and he comes out with this straight, like, white boy, just like, hick twang. I, I can't even replicate it, but he's just absolutely hilarious, and he was 110% into it. And it, it's nothing like how he is in person, but he just completely reversed everything. Or in the case of, uh, God, it's this random, like, dragonborn D&D character he played where he pulled out the Sean Connery voice and maintained it the entire time. That's kind of player. Yeah, that's 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 exactly what you want. Congratulations to him on ringing the bell. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is you know maybe you find you know you find that actor and like for me you know uh, it it evolved to and I wish I could remember the actor's name, but um, if you have seen talking about Dempsey himself, I'm talking about Dempsey. I personally I kind of see him a little bit with like Benicio del Toro. Well, there, no, there is a little Benicio in there. Okay, but it's Benicio. It's a combination of Benicio and I don't remember the actor's name. But if if you guys have seen the live action preacher show. The actor that plays Cassidy. I haven't, but I'm going to watch it now just so I get that idea. You know, Noel Padre. It's a shite movie. Okay. <laughs> you know, Cassie right there. Okay. You know. And then... Oh, that was... And then get the little bit of on there, too. So you mix them together. And you kind of oh. understand what Dubs is saying. But if you can't, you're not paying attention, right? <laughs> and that's Dead Man Dempsey. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and, and I know, Lyric, you can't see him. Because we're, you know, just on the headsets right now. But, like, Porter does the mannerisms of that character whenever he talks like that character. He's got different mannerisms every single time. 
that's what I end up doing with Megan because Megan is like to make Megan believable. I have to go all into it, and she is probably the most embarrassing thing I've ever done. But she's like full Valley Girl, and I have to slip into a complete mindset for it. It's like, oh my god, Master, I missed you so much. Please come home. We're gonna watch Twilight together. It's gonna be so great. And he just like my player just shudders. <laughs> no, but see, but, but that's you're a, doing you, it. Yeah, <laughs> excellent job. Yeah, I, I think for me, I, I think it's best on, on occasions. And and I know Danny is going to confirm this one. Okay. Because whenever you can bust my balls, right? Yep, every time. <laughs> I, I will, on occasion, merge Whiplash and Kasai together. Yes, yes, you will. And, and it's hilarious. No, you, but at the same time, you do it with the voice. You don't do it with the mannerism, so I can still tell. But, but sometimes, sometimes that left eye closes. Yes. And you guys but are like, who the fuck is talking? What but happened? you have other mannerisms <laughs> other than the Aya. If he's talking Whiplash, he'll close the left eye. Because Whiplash lost yeah, his left it's, eye. It's, it's raspy. Sometimes Kasai also talks like that, but not as bad. So if you are talking with Kasai, you'll close the left eye and then realize it, but you still have, like, you're, hun- you're not hunched down, neck forward with... with, 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 with yeah, Whiplash. With, with Whiplash. All right. So, yeah, I can still tell, <laughs> yeah, the, the underbite, yep, the uh, snarl, yep. <laughs> yeah, I just did it. <laughs> but, yeah, like I said, the, the mannerisms help with those voices. And sometimes you get voices that sound alike. Hey, you ever see Family Guy? <laughs> what is it, Dr. Hibbert in, in Carter? I, I, don't, I don't know. I just know, like, Seth, McFar- Seth MacFarlane does, like, 50 voices on the show, so... Yeah, um, and I haven't watched that show in like a million years, but there were two characters who had the exact same voice. Oh, boy. And um, there was an episode where he put a hat on it by having them share a scene together. Of course it did. <laughs> it's, my point is, you can't maybe, maybe separate those characters that or do your best to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? But the point is, is that you're not just going monotone and saying, said this person, said that person... Because people will get bored, and you can't connect with a character that way. I'm sorry. No, you can't. You know, you, not not in the way you want your players to connect with the character. So you're not going to make them care. Right. That's like, true. if I was just monotone with Megan, my player wouldn't be shuddering whenever her name came up. Or like, God, it was another game, and I mentioned bringing her in there. Like, maybe bringing her up to full vampire and having her in our werewolf game, like, as an NPC. And he was just like, please, no. And you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so even though he might not like that character or that that the NPC, he still knows that NPC. It's still a personal connection with it. Oh, he has, she has enough staying power that, like, if I bring her up, the people that have been there forever, they they know. And maybe they start talking about the random shrine she built to him in her closet. Because he gave her a gun to protect herself, and she took that as a symbol of his undying love for her. And so he built an entire shrine with, like, a Mr. Clean carton, because he looked like Mr. Clean. Nice. <laughs> like, like, she was crazy, and he didn't know that when he picked her up. <laughs> well done. <laughs> okay, you know, that, that reminds me of uh, Shalassi, Rising Sun. You know, who is... Actually, a hippie, I think would be fair to say. She is. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't you, Danny? Yeah, guess what? I mean, she's she's, she's not a, a tenor. Yeah, she's not a children guy. <laughs> but she, this this bright, bubbly, almost cheerleader type of character. And, you know, when I think back to, to how how Joey loathed Shalassi. Mm-hmm. You know, this, <laughs> how bad are we talking? Well, this this is the, Shalassi was part of the Silver Star Pack, which is, is meant to be 
the slightly more experienced pack. You know, they're designed to be like your, your, your older brother who just started high school when you're halfway through middle school. You know, Someone the ones you can relate to. to. Yeah. yeah. Relate to and connect to. And, and Shalassi's the one that runs up to you and gives you a big-ass bear hug. Super bubbly. Yeah. Yeah. That, that free spirit. Uh, you know, I don't want to go too much into her, but, you know, she's, she's that character. Bubbly and free and very touchy-feely, <laughs> and I'm going to give you a hug. And, and, and everything you just described is not a children of Gaia. <laughs> <laughs> Octana, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but... You know, Joey used to loathe that character. He'd be like, get this, get this Barbie doll away from me. <laughs> and then I think about Amy, who would literally brighten up every time Shalassie would show up. She'd get this big smile on her face and her eyes would come wide and she'd sit up just a little more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and it's to see that the different reactions from the same NPC, to see how the different players react and, and build those. It's, it's, there's nothing like it. It's so fucking rewarding. It's a big deal. Right. Good old shit. So it's like even the uh, even the NPC that I killed that they didn't care had died, like, they still, well, you, you mentioned his name and they groan. It's, see, there you go. It's a personal connection. Yeah, Whether it doesn't have to be yeah. a positive one. Exactly. It, it could, doesn't have to be positive. It very easily could be negative, but it's still a connection there. You know. That's with me and Vermillion. Right. So, like, with the, um, oh God, what's another good NPC? So I built this uh, Silver Fang leader for their initial sept in Britain. And the, the thing was that he was corrupted, but they didn't know. But uh, So the initial thing was they didn't know he was tainted, though, because how could they know? Because sure. I had that vein that was swallowing all the corruption in the area. And so it was this, um, this Silver Fang who just constantly treated specifically these Silver Fang metas like shit because he's a medicine and he's misrepresenting the Silver Fangs by existing. Yep. <laughs> and <laughs> um, <laughs> they'd gone out and they'd done something. I can't remember what exactly it was, but it was something enough to get them some attention. And... Oh, that's that's what it tied into it, because one of the players who, she wanted to be a Ragabash, but she also wanted to be able to summon spirits, and it's like their first game, so I rolled with it, and so she went to summon a spirit to do reconnaissance, and uh, she doesn't know what she's doing, because she's never played werewolf before, so uh, here's Whippoorwill, and they don't know what Whippoorwill is, so here's this bird before he's got the Black Spiral Dancers, and he's perching on the Silver Fang's shoulder, and just like, you know, they treat you like shit, why don't you come with us? I, I can, you know, you know, I can teach you how to be respected. I can show you people that actually care about you. You know, like that kind of shit. Oh, and he's just constantly awesome. popping on his shoulder or popping on, like, the ragabash's shoulder and just like, yeah, they're all giving you shit. Why don't you just, you know, come with us? And do the slow taint thing. And so the, the Whippoorwill's obviously talking to this corrupted Silverfang. So the corrupted Silverfang is leading him, uh, you know, says, hey, why don't you come with me? We'll go have a talk. You know, Silverfang to Silverfang. And so, you know, he's taking him across the boat. He's doing sense worm. And sense worm's not pinging anything because there's this bane. Right, because you and have he's your just like, <laughs> Yeah, and he's getting a bad touch feeling because the show thing's giving this whole monologue about how great they could be and how much power they could have. And uh, he's just like, oh, well, since Worm doesn't catch anything? No, since Worm doesn't catch anything. He's like, oh, well, well, all right. And so he's walking him down to this cavern, you know, because they're going to be alone, and he's going to reveal to him, like, hey, this is what's going on. Join me or die kind of thing. And eventually he figures out there's a pain down there, so he takes off fucking running. And the silver thing catches up to him. And it ends up being this duel on the beach. Now, I'd given them um, fetish weapons because it's their first game, so let them have fun. So he had this fetish weapon uh, called Star Platinum based off JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and it just gave him, it gave him the ability to strike faster. So he got more hits in, and he's going up against the Silver Fang who has a Grand Clave. And it ended up being this really cool duel on the beach. But this entire time, I'd built up this character that you know treated him like shit, but he had no reason to distrust him. And then after that distrust had uh, you know, finally popped off from this duel... Uh, they're a lot more wary of every other NPC they'd come across. 
after that. Yeah, I, I get that. That's a, that's a danger. I, I have made these guys afraid of stuff before, yep. and I haven't meant to. Like the Umbra. I, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I did that in Forsaken, because I try to run the games separately, so when, like, because they're, they're two werewolf games, right? And so I don't want my games to feel the same. I don't want them to pick up one game and say, well, why couldn't this be another game? Or, for right? example, one to feel like a bootleg version of the real one. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So I'll intentionally run something a little more Silent Hill. <laughs> just, to, just to make it feel so different from Apocalypse. And uh, they don't enter the Spirit Wilds because it's a bad time. And I'm like, well, I kind of did that to you guys. No, I, I had a point with that Silver Fang Elder, and I can't. I lost it about halfway through because I was busy describing what was going on. Yeah, I hate when that, that happens to me too. Sometimes, man. And I'd used uh, I'd used fifth edition combat rules for that fight too, because I was trying to experiment with it and see how fifth edition combat might work for werewolf instead of vampire. And um, you know how it's a contested roll off for combat, so you know one person rolls their strength and brawl, and the other person rolls their dexterity and melee, and whoever comes out on that winning. Uh, is the one that deals damage, the other person does nothing. There's no soak roll, there's no, um, you know, you, there's no, it's just straight hit and then there's your damage. And I, I was trying to figure out if that was going to work, or if it'd be too shitty, maybe it wouldn't convey the destructive power of the guru. It ended up being a really cool fight. He took a slash from the clave across his thigh, and he took a slash across his spine, but at the end of it, he had been able to strike fast enough with his fist that he was able to take the elder down. That, or not elder, but uh, Silver Fang leader. That's impressive. Yeah, I mean... Hey, you know, I thought he was going to die. <laughs> you thought he was going to die? Yeah, well, the, the option was there. Like, death was on the table. And so when he took that slash across the back, I mean, he had maybe one or two HP left walking away. From, like, he was limping back to the Sept. And since the players all had Bear as their totem, everyone was able to heal him. Because huh. Bear gives you uh, Mother's Touch. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well versed at, in at, that. At the, <laughs> At, at the cost of, uh, was it honor renowned? So when it came to ranking up, some of them had harder time. Like, the Ragabash could rank up no problem. But the rest of them, you know, how the fuck does an Arun get honor renowned when honor renowned isn't so easy to get in the first place? And then you're at a minus one because Bear exists. By pronouncing it Ahron. Right, Ahron. Sorry. I find that helps. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was the asshole. thing, though. He's, he's literally gimping back into camp, and they're just like, what happened to you? And he's like, well, it turns out that this guy was actually uh, a bad time the entire time. And it also taught him a lesson on relying on sense worm way too much. Right. You know, moral of the story, you've got to watch out because something might eat taint, and then you're never going to know. You know what was great about all of that game, though, is my players did not know. So one of them should have let that go, huh? Not just that, but from like Appalachia. And he's the only person who knew what a Whippoorwill was. The rest of them didn't. And then the, the Silverfang Metis, he had no idea that, that Whippoorwill was even a real animal. I have a and so after that Chronicle's done, he finds out that Whippoorwill is the, the leader of the Black Spiral Dancers. And he's this evil, worm-tainted monstrosity that lures people to corruption. And then finds out that the real folklore of Whippoorwills is that they make the Whippoorwills song in the woods and people think it's a person. They rock off into the woods and die because they get lost. And he's just like, why do we let this thing live? Because it's oh. hardcore as shit. <laughs> um, I have a feeling that, uh, Larry, when you, when you go to re-listen to this, you're going you're gonna to catch a couple things that you missed. <laughs> like? Like in the middle of your rant. No, 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 no don't worry about it. Right, don't yeah. worry about it. All right, forget it. We'll find out. Yep, I'm sure you will. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. That, that story makes me want to do an episode on totems and totem quests. Okay. I want to make that a real thing. 
Uh, I'll write it down so it's mm. done. Because that's a big deal. It is. And, I mean, it should be a big deal. And I mean, it, we're going to do an episode on it. It's yeah. big enough. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make it a big deal. Fuck it. Yeah, absolutely. No, like, well, how often do people like look at totems and they think about the stats and how cool they are? They're like, oh, yeah, I want to pick Scorpion because he's got X trade, or I want to pick Bear because everyone gets Mother's Touch. But they don't, like, how often do they really go into that totem and how the totem behaves? Well, exactly. Yeah, and I think that's why we want to do an episode on it. Yeah, not only that, like, I, I can't speak for other people per se. I know I have helped a couple people through our Discord write totem quests, and I've written a couple, you know, my, the totem quests I have. And, you know, they, I don't know, so I don't know how the normal person does it, but they all should be very different things. You know, right. you, you get that concoction of saliva and the mugwort and whatever, and you get those, those, the, the, the things painted on your face, and you go on your walkabout. But after that, it's not like you walk down the hall into the waiting room and a totem shows up and goes, hey, would you like me? That's not how that goes. <laughs> the totem chooses you, and then the totem tests you. And, yeah, and, you do a, a spirit that, of summoning or a spirit summoning class sometimes, and maybe you end up with a little bird that uh, is a little too friendly. Well, the thing is, you don't, you don't, you don't even do that. The the right master does that to you, and then you go on your hallucinogenic walkabout. Like according to the last edition, I read that right. <laughs> so let's be fair. Yeah, whatever, which one it is, right? Just in case it was updated and I didn't read it, fine. But so it's not even all that. Like it's supposed to be done to you, and then you guys go fuck off and find your totem. And it's the totem who tests you. So Bear and Coyote and Fenris should all be vastly different experiences. Oh, yeah. You can't write a totem quest and then pick whatever totem you want and put it in that whatever you just wrote. Right. It's got to be written around it's gotta be, yeah, it's gotta that Yeah, it's got to be tailored totem. to the totem. <laughs> you know, I mean, Coyote, with, with you guys, Coyote just fucked with you for four hours. <laughs> Real yeah, time. Yes. <laughs> Real time. God nice. damn it, that was so irritating. <laughs> and it was and it was different, although I aped it. Yeah. It was different from the Virginia Coyote game. They they chose Coyote They chose too. Coyote too. And that I was very that. different. It was still different. <laughs> it was one of those things where uh, they knew <laughs> that it was it was gonna be close. Okay. So I started hinting at three totems. Uh-huh. It's a sheer dream. There are cockroaches running all over the floor. Oh, okay. There was the TV playing the Tootsie Roll commercial. You know, they ask Mr. Owl. Uh-huh. Because everyone had, you know, everyone had Owl. Two people had Cockroach. But it was Coyote that won. Okay. So, you know, there's a knock at the door and they go, they answer the door and there's a present. Like, it's a big, it's a box and they go to open the box and they fall in the box and they wind up in the desert. <laughs> Should we save this for the totem episode? We should probably save this for the totem episode. All right. I just want to say I'm super proud that I apparently did Rip a Wheel, or Whip a Wheel White. Right. Jesus. Tongue twister. Whip a Whip Wheel, Wheel Right. <laughs> and uh, my player is to this day, like, he sees that bird and just goes, God, it's evil. I love that you did it. Um, I, <laughs> at one point, recorded the call of the Whip Wheel and would play it on occasion. Holy shit. I dude. did. I, I did that. Good I played the Whipper Will call, and they're just like, what the fuck is that? I'm like, that's just the noise the bird makes. Because she was expecting to summon, like, a raven for a recon. And no, here's this little thing that's, you know, it just kind of perches on your shoulder and just kind of whispers sweet nothings in your ear. Just, you know, you're really great. Why don't you come with me? Yeah, why don't you go into this pit full of the spikes and aids? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this is before the spirals happen. So he's, um, you know, he's got delusions of grandeur, but he ha- he doesn't have anything yet. So he's still trying to uh, cultivate that kind of power. Oh, that's that though. It might be even better. I mean, I, I'm sure we can go on forever here. But yeah, it is that time, isn't it? <laughs> it's pretty close here. Right, right. All right, Larry, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. 
tell me you're coming. Hell, thanks back. for having me. I, I would love to. You know what? We uh, we didn't do the one thing for the new the new interviews. I don't know what you're talking about. So you say your thing. Favorite tribe in Auspice. He's not new. Uh, my favorite. He's, he's, yeah, he's not new. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. My, my favorite tribe is uh, the Fenrir, and Auspice is Galliard. All right. Awesome. I, I know we didn't do it for everybody, but hey, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're going to have you back. Are you game for that? Always. That, that sounds like the uh, the totem episode. We're going to have to have lyric on it then. Well, maybe the Galliard episode. Or I, I don't know shit. what, but. The, are you in a band? <laughs> Featuring lyrics of war. That, that might be. Are you in a band? Might be the name of the episode now. This one, Ooh. the Galliard one. Well, we we already <laughs> decided that it was going to be Glee Club. I I thought we decided it was okay. Anyway, this is yeah. This is the welcome God, to the show, everybody. Gives me a vision of like some twelve foot crinos with jazz hands <laughs> <laughs> and spirit fingers. That's what they call the thirst fingers. <laughs> Remember when you're at the moot, just throw your hands up and just wiggle your fingers. Why? It amazes the cubs. <laughs> Do thirst fingers. I think I need an adult now. <laughs> Someone's got to talk about 10 at 1. <laughs> I need help reacting to something. <laughs> oh my god, who has more fun on their little werewolf show than us? Nah, nobody. All right, Lyric, again, thanks so much for joining us. We, we are going to have to call it here, though. Yep. So, on behalf of everyone here in Scratch and Wolf Studio, we want to say thank you all so much for listening. You know, tell your friends, you take care of yourselves, take care of each other. You keep on howling, and we will see you next time. Take it easy. Bye.